I set a goal more than 10 years ago that if I spend a minute with you, I will make you laugh. You will either laugh at me or you will laugh with me. And I don't care because you're going to laugh. And you can be sitting there like this right now going, I ain't going to laugh. I don't care. Inside, I know you're just busting the gut because you're looking at me going, that big old boy, that fat boy, he ain't going to make me laugh. No, he's not going to make me laugh. These last two weeks with the coronavirus have been gold for me. Mmm, they've been good. I heard that Charmin is resurrecting Mr. Whipple. He's not going to say, please don't squeeze the Charmin. He's going to say, please don't hurt the Charmin. And I heard yesterday that the CDC has banned the playing of the Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Saw on the news this morning where a couple of kids got arrested last night for TPing their neighbor's house. The charges against them are simply the unnecessary consumption of a commodity during a national crisis. Oh yeah. I was sitting down here between services checking messages because somebody called me. I was trying to find out what was going on. And I flipped over to Facebook to see if we were live yet. And I saw a post that said, no gatherings, don't touch, interact mostly online. Introverts of America, unite! Our time has come! And I'm going, oh, this is too easy. It's just too easy. But we have a really serious crisis in our country and in our world. It's affecting people in alarming numbers. And they are increasing daily. It's enough of a concern that over 70 Oklahoma City churches canceled service for today. I understand. In Moore and in Tulsa, Oklahoma, today, it's illegal to have more than 250 gather. And one people gather in one place. Can't do it. The World Health Organization has issued some guidelines. One is, if you're concerned about the virus and you're fearful about it, don't watch the news. The news mock. The news media's motto is, if it bleeds, it leads. So don't watch the news. And then the second thing was, wash your hands. Those were the two most important things they had to say to us. Don't watch the news, wash your hands. I learned how to wash my hands 65 years ago. My mama taught me when I was about one. And if we have to be told to wash our hands, well, so be it. i got to tell you one more story real quick before I get going here. I don't know if you saw this in the news this morning, but yesterday the World Health Organization determined that dogs cannot carry or pass along the coronavirus. So all canine 
that have been quarantined were to be released today. I don't know if you realize it, but who let the dogs out? <laughs> oh, that's bad. Well, as of this morning at 1 a.m., when the new stats were posted, and I, if you are connected with me on Facebook, you know my Facebook name is Insomniac Mixer. I don't sleep like normal people, I guess. I get up in the middle of the night. I got up at 1 this morning because I was thinking about this sermon and what were the new stats from today? And so I got up and checked them out at 1.30. And here's what I found. As of late last night, there have been just under 157,000 reported cases of the coronavirus in the world. 76,000 of those people are reported as being recovered. Deaths are about 5,900 worldwide. Statistically, well, and there were only 16 new deaths in the last 24 hours, which is very, very small. It means medicine, the medical community is, and people doing what we're doing, washing our hands, being careful, being wise. It's, it's having an effect. Doing the things we probably should have been doing To begin with, wash your hands after going to the bathroom. You know the story. You don't need me to tell you that, do you? But anyway, I did the math. In the United States, less than .0003% of 1% of the population has been exposed and fallen ill from the coronavirus. In the world, where most of the, out in the world where most of the the cases are, less than 0.003% of the populace has contracted coronavirus. That is of 1%. 0.003 of 1%. The reality is, it is a very, very fast spreading, spreading virus. It's highly contagious, but very few people really, out of 7.7 plus billion people on the planet, have contracted the disease. It's minuscule. Should we be concerned? Yes. Should we be fearful? No. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 27. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though I host and camp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, 
In spite of this, I will be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his temple. I don't know why people want to stay away from church in the midst of this trial. I want to come to the temple and be concealed. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his temple, in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me, he will lift me up on a rock. Can you just say, thank the Lord? Would you take one hand and put it out here like this? Put the other hand out here like this? Go like this? That's probably the only hug you're going to get in church today. Father, as we stand here just kind of holding ourselves, may we sense that you're holding us. And that we feel your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord for caring about us. Help us in these next few moments as we look into your word to hear from heaven that we might walk out of here today in a better place. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? As I read the scripture, I found exactly one thing, one person to fear. One thing. God himself. Listen to Matthew chapter 10. When I tell you in the darkness, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the households. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. If the coronavirus gets you and you die from it, and you are in Christ, you won. (laughs) You won. You get the prize. You go. I'm okay with that. So don't be afraid of this stuff. But rather, fear him. And notice, if you will, in the Bible that him is capitalized because we're talking about God who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father knowing it. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. 
There is only one person in this whole mighty universe of God's creation that you need to be afraid of, and that's God himself. Now the intriguing thing about this experience is, as we will point out in just a few moments, God is love and you don't need to be afraid of him. What you need to be afraid of is, are you living your life as you should before God in Christ Jesus, day to day, day by day, that you might not end up in hell where your life can be destroyed and your soul as well. Body and soul destroyed. I want to have a godly fear of God himself. I don't want to walk in this world afraid. And I got to tell you, at six foot four most of my life, I found out I've shrunk to six three. What's up with that? This old age thing is just, you know, I read the scripture a moment ago that says God knows is counting the number of the hairs on my head. All I have to say about that is the angel who keeps track of my hair is learning how to do subtraction real well. <laughs> Except for those ones he has to add back in that have submerged from up here and grown out my ears. And I don't know where those things came from. But it's not supposed to be there. You know, I, I'm in the, in the... I put a new razor in this morning because last time I shaved it wasn't really a good shave. And I'm in the bathroom this morning trimming my ears with that new razor blade. And I'm thinking, oh, don't cut yourself this morning. You're going to bleed all over the chair. I'm not afraid of my razor blade. I'm not afraid of my razor blade. I'm not afraid of my razor blade. There's coming a day when the problems that affect our world are going to be so great that our world will be in fear, but it's going to be because of God's judgment on the earth. I don't plan to be here. Uh, I can't imagine... If we are this panicked and grabbing toilet paper and, and everything else the way that we are today because of a coronavirus that's affected less than, you know, a little tiny percentage of the population, what is it going to be when the church is taken out of this world and they are left to deal with the rest of the problems? I might not see that day happen. I might die, expire before that. And that's okay. You might not see it either. But it's going to happen. And when it does... If you are not in Christ Jesus, and if you have not had that godly fear that you have, you are going to be among those who are forced, because of your fear, to fall on your knee before God. For there's coming a day when every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and some of us will be doing it in praise and adoration, and others will be doing it in fear, with the knowledge that they have totally missed the opportunity. If you're here this morning or you're watching by Facebook and you don't have a godly fear, you don't have a fear of the Lord that is godly and right, I want to encourage you right now and in this place to reach out to Jesus Christ. As he said, those that deny him before man will be denied by him before the Father but those who accept him and receive him into their lives. He'll stand up and say, 
that's one of my, they're my kids. I'm, I'll stand in for them. There's a godly fear that we need to have. But the rest of this fear, not so much. Our group life is Christianity 101. Last week we just answered, we just dealt with the question, who is God? And one of the things we talked about was fear. I had no idea I was preaching today, but it came up. What is fear of God? Let me ask you a question. How many are going to turn on a light switch today? Yeah, if you're not raising your hands, you're probably not, you know, living in the 21st century America. We're all going to turn on a light switch, probably. How many are going to open up a light switch plate and stick your fingers in there with the electricity? Probably ain't going to happen, is it? Why? Because you know that you can get an electric shock. And I'll tell you what, electricity can hurt you. In 1993, I was electrocuted. 27 years ago, I think that is. The inside of my mouth was burned because I yelled. And electricity came out of my mouth. Burned out the inside of my mouth. I couldn't taste food for six months. My right arm where I took the electricity was like this for six months. And for years, even after the six months had passed, if I did too much with that arm, at the end of the day it would be like this, just shaking. Here's my point. I have a real respect for electricity. I have a fear of electricity. I'll still work on electricity. If you need something wired, I know how to do it. I'm not afraid of it. In that sense, I make sure it's turned off at the source. I'll wire anything. doesn't bother me. Because I know those wires don't have any power in them. As long as the power's off. But I will not stand there and hold a black one and a white one in my hand while you turn on the power. I ain't stupid. It's kind of the same way with the coronavirus. I'm not afraid, but I ain't stupid. Electricity can hurt you. Your car brought you here today. You didn't see you thinking, well, I did that without electricity. Well, no, you didn't, because for the cylinders to fire, there has to be electricity. There's a battery in there, and those cylinders get 80,000 volts today just to fire the gas off in your car. You can go grab a hold of one of those spark plugs if you want, but I wouldn't recommend it. Do you need electricity to live? No, you don't. Humans existed up until 150 years ago without electricity. They did just fine. No electricity, but they knew how to live. They had a candle. They could read at night. They survived. You can survive without electricity. Can you survive without a fear of God that brings you to a place of salvation? No. You cannot. Recognize that his salvation is going to 
keep you from spending an eternity in hell. A couple of weeks ago, the evangelist spoke about living above the snake line. He talked about living, learning to live in accordance to God's word. Rejecting sin as often as possible whenever you fail. The Trappist monks had a saying. We fall down, we get up. We fall down again, we get up again. In your walk with the Lord, you will fall, you falter, you fail. It's inevitable. You're a human being. But because of our fear of the Lord, that godly fear, we stand up and we say, Lord, forgive me, for I am a sinner. And when we do that, we can receive his mercy. Luke put it this way in verse 1 and chapter 1 and 50. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. Towards those who fear him. If you want to learn about mercy, if you want to see the hand of God in your life, learn to fear the Lord God and not the things of this world. So how do you go about not fearing the things of this world? Well, there's a unique thing about God. He's the only one that can give you the ability to overcome the fears of this world. Listen to John's Gospel. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Oh, wait a minute. We just said you've got to fear God. You've got to fear God to know God's mercy. But now you're saying that, huh? There's no fear in love? Yeah, here's the cool part. Got to open this up a little bit and read the context. First John chapter 4, verse 7, the verse before. Beloved, let us love one another. Okay. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if you're going to love anybody, you've got to know God to really truly know love. The one who does not love does not know God. God, and this is the best part, for God is love. And his perfect love in the next verse casts out fear. All fear. You don't need to live in fear. Because God is love. Have you ever watched a child jump off of a counter or a chair, back of a sofa? In my case, my kids are all grown up and my grandkids are the little guys now. I have two twin grandsons. They were two years old 
These kids know no fear. They're now six, almost seven next couple of weeks. They were two or three at the time. I had gone over to their house. I had my 28-foot extension ladder up against the house, almost all the way up. I turned my back. I heard this rustling behind me. I turned around, and there are the two twins at the top of the ladder. And I'm thinking to myself, boys, do not jump. Boys, do not jump. Boys, do not jump. Because they usually get on something and go, Papa, catch me! (laughs) How in the world do they even... You know, they still do stuff like that to me. There is an expectation on their behalf that you're going to catch them every time. God, why? Because they have no fear. Why were they up there at the top of the 28-foot ladder? Because they have no fear. I'm thinking somebody's going to see this and they're going to call child welfare and I'm going to be in a whole lot of trouble here. I didn't have my back turned but for a few seconds in there up there. And I'm thinking, how in the world, if they fall off, what am I going to tell my, my daughter, their mother? There is no fear in them because they know Papa loves them. And I will do anything I can to protect them. There is no fear needed in God because He loves us. There's a verse that's really kind of boggled boggled my mind and bugged me a lot in my life. I don't remember being small. I really don't. I hear people say, well, when I was in sixth grade, I weighed this. All I remember is at one point, I weighed 200 pounds. That was like 8th or ninth grade. And I don't remember being small ever. When I was 11 years old, guys, I wore a size 11 shoe. When I was 12, I wore a size 12. When I was 13, it was 13. When I was 14, it was 14. When I was 15, it was 15. On my 16th birthday, God and me had a long conversation. We were in Florida recently, and I was looking for a pair of shoes because I had gone without any tennis shoes because I was in this boot and stuff, and I'd gotten out of the boot finally, and I was trying to walk, and I realized I didn't have anything but a pair of dress shoes with. And so my wife was gracious and took me to the Nike store to get a pair of tennis shoes. We finally found a pair, size 18. I hope they're mismarked. But it's the only pair I could fit in the whole store. The 16s were too small. I said, Lord, did you take that extra inch out of my back and put it on my feet? But the scripture says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 15, Truly I say to you, and this is where I go back to, I don't remember much from being a kid because I wasn't real small. And maybe that's why this verse doesn't mean a whole lot to me sometimes. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And then I think about my grandsons. Papa, catch! 
I gotta grab them before they hit the ground. Sometimes with God, which is kind of like, God, here I am. Catch! In perfect love, I know that when I'm struggling, I can go, God! And He catches me. And He carries me. And takes me to the next step. I have in my files, in my, at my computer, footprints in the sand for people like me. It's called butt prints in the sand. I asked God how come I didn't see two sets of footprints, but I only saw one in this long streak. And he said, that's where I drug you. We have to be like children. We have to come to the Father. We have to come and find in Him the ability to stand without fear. One of my favorite scriptures, not only is it Psalm 27, where it says, Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? But in 2 Timothy 1.7 he says, Here, from the King James, for God had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I particularly like the contemporary English version here. It says, God doesn't make cowards out of us. I want to say to you today that there's stuff going on in our world that causes us to fear. You know, we can fear a lot of things. And the coronavirus is certainly one of those things. Be cautious, be sensible, be wise, don't live in fear. One of the realities of having been electrocuted is parts of my body don't work like they should. I don't get the serotonin uptakes from my pancreas that I used to get. That's what keeps you from being screwy in the head. That is a problem for me in a lot of ways. Hey, I had back surgery once. They put a uh, bone graft in. I told everybody it must have come from the guy's funny bone. It wasn't mine. But that's okay. That's a whole other story. One of those realities is I get anxiety attacks. Now, I've not had one for over five years. Thank the Lord. Partly because I learned something. I learned that in those moments of anxiety when that's really fear just beginning to manifest in your life, I just sit down and I start quoting Psalm 27. I start quoting 1 Timothy 4.7. I start quoting Romans where it says, If the same Spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. I start quoting that stuff to myself. But last Sunday morning, getting ready for church, I could not find the belt I wanted to wear. I had blue pants. I wanted a brown belt. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find it. I looked again. I still couldn't find it. I looked a third time. I couldn't find it. The fourth time, I couldn't find it. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. And I started to have this raging anxiety attack. And I went and sat on the edge of the bed. And I started quoting these scriptures to myself. And in a few moments, that attack left. Because you see, I'm not going to give in to the enemy of my soul. I'm going to quote God's word. I'm going to hang there. I'm going to be strong in it. I'm going to find in him that there is power 
love and a sound mind. And I calmed down and I went and got up and I went looking for that brown belt. It was right where it was supposed to be. Pulled it out, put it in my pants. Some of you know I had foot surgery in December. I got out the brown shoes to go with the brown belt. I put them on, I couldn't wear them. Kicked the shoes off, took the brown belt off, left it in the closet. Found a black belt and black shoes. You know, it's kind of that way with the stuff that's going on in our world. God does not give us a spirit of fear. He does not give us a spirit of anxiety. He does not give us those things that are holding us back and keeping us down. What he does give us is power, a sound mind, and I believe peace, because he said his peace passes understanding. In Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 5, in verse 6, he says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? There is nothing out there that you need to be afraid of. Cautious? Yes. Wise? Yes. I mean, but that's just common sense. That's what we should do anyway. But be fearful? No. Don't let this thing take over your life with fear. You don't need to let fear enter your life. On Friday, my daughter and I went to see my primary physician. My daughter's a nurse practitioner. She was visiting for a few days. I said, come on, go with me to the docs. I need to talk to him about this medicine I take. One of the medicines I've had to take for the electrocution causes me to gain weight. I need to lose 100 pounds. I can't because I just can't. It just doesn't work. There are new medicines that weren't available 27 years ago. So my daughter said to me, Dad, we need to get you onto a different medication. So to do that, I have to see my primary care. So we went. We sat and talked to him. After we'd had that conversation, he looked at me. He said, Ron, I want to be very clear about this. You will get coronavirus. You are of a certain age group, over 65. You have respiratory issues. I, you have one lung that functions. You will get this if you are exposed to it. When that happens, you do this, 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 and this, this, and he lined it all out. I went home to get back to work on finishing my message for today. And I sat down and I realized I could take his words at their face value and get very scared. If I did get it, I'd be in pretty rough shape. My chances wouldn't be good. By the world, this is what I wrote. By the world's standard, I should be fearful. I am not. 
I am cautious, but not afraid. Two reasons. First, God is not going to desert me. Secondly, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And if it kills me, I win. Father, thank you for your word. In times like this, where we are concerned because of such a tremendous outbreak of a virus that we don't understand completely and we don't know how to treat completely, we are concerned. Thank you that you are in charge of this world. Thank you that we do not need to be afraid. But God, I also pray that we would have a godly fear. A fear of you that keeps us close to you. Father, I don't want to walk in this world afraid of anything. And I don't want to allow fear to overtake my life at any time. But I always want to have a fear of you that is godly and righteous and brings me to your presence on a daily